0: You're listening to Whoa Hot Lakes Uh fuck, Huggin Killer Queen loving. You with that bitch look like cool best cousin Black hugging Bitches like in danger Saber two saga i am a motherfucking yellow ranger Yeah and I for fina just a Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real and filtered conversation on career, family, relationships, love, and all things modern culture. I'm your host, Mindy Chang, and you're here for episode 38, which is a solo episode. And if you are new to the podcast, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. Please kick off your shoes and get settled into my virtual living room. This week's featured topic... Uh, as I mentioned earlier, is a solo one, no featured guest this week, and I wanted to take a second to honor Father's Day. Now, I know this is going up after Father's Day, but it's sad that it's only a day, you know? And I think that there's, there's definitely a lot there to talk about that goes far beyond just the holiday itself. So I hope uh, I can shed some light on some thoughts that I've been having concerning my own father, because that has been its own crazy uh, what are all the words? This might be a tough podcast to get through if I can't even articulate my thoughts and feelings. It's been a very eventful, momentous, uh, fulfilling journey. So, um, yeah, welcome. And I I wanted to talk about my dad for quite a while. Uh, Again, this is episode 38, but he refused to be on my podcast as a guest. So I was kind of trying to figure out the right way to approach it. And it just stretched out all the way to June. And so I was like, oh, it's Father's Day. I can talk about it. And it makes sense. It's appropriate. So the reason why I wanted to talk about my father is he has been one of obvious, you know, everyone's family is different. And everyone has a variety of relationships with their blood relatives versus their chosen family. And based on who you are, your culture, where you were raised, those specific relationships, you know, sometimes those familial bonds, like the the value that a lot of people place on blood family versus chosen, you know, they can be stronger or weaker. For me, I grew up in a very Korean Culture and Korean household, um, Korean people are pretty freaking high up there in terms of family values, like family being the center of everything. That's honestly, I feel like every culture, but the filial piety is strong, if you will. Um, the sense of extensionism—I don't know if that's a term—but basically, you know, every child is an extension of their parents. You know, that's it's a conflicting ideology compared to the American independent, I am an individual and I own free thought and free will and free feelings, that don't fly in Korea, okay? You do not have your own mind. You don't have your own (laughs) identity. You are an extension of your parents, period. Deal with it. Um, So that's really what I've grown up not even being told outright, really. It's not something that needs to be deliberately said to my face, although it has been said to my face. um, It's really been just reinforced in all the unspoken ways that a a child can experience. Um, And I've mentioned this in so many other ways and conversations that our values and our intentions really do shape our behavior. They shape the way that we talk about things, the way we perceive things, the way we prioritize things, our time, our energy, our money, um, our emotions, you know? So, I can safely say that honoring your parents is a very very important factor in being a Korean American, a Korean person, <laughs> Korean lineage, Korean Australian. Korea. If you're if you have some sort of lineage from Korea, I'm sure that that uh may resonate with you. And again, so many other cultures. I'm only speaking on that which I grew up in. So my dad has been for better or worse, whether he likes it or not, a very, very strong family man. Um, He takes his job, his role as a father very, very seriously. And I would also say that Koreans have... You know, until pretty recently, lived in a severely patriarchal society and um, still struggle with that. There's still a lot of inequality, a lot of uh, misogyny, a lot of the, the values of very specific heteronormative gender roles for men and women, um, specific characteristics that go hand in hand with that you know, the personalities, the behavior, being a lady, um, what it means to be a woman versus being a man. All those things are still, you know, up for discussion. They're still very much adhered to in a lot of ways. So my father has been a very traditional man, I guess is the best way to describe a very conservative guy. Um, Not as conservative as I thought, because I've discovered a lot about my dad in the last five years, which have surprised me some pleasantly um and so yeah that's that's my dad and he grew up very very military uh his father was a great military man he was in the Korean army as a colonel um I actually don't know to what degree you know if he was a decorated officer all I know is that was his calling that was like his purpose for being and um he took great pride in that and all Korean men i don't even know actually what the rule is today in 2018 but all korean men have been up until now required to serve in the military and i think what it is now is that it went from being two years of of required service to i think about 18 months maybe because there's not any active conflict knock on wood we're gonna keep it that way um But yeah, my dad is, you know, grew up with a very strict military father. He's the first son. Um, Also placement in a Korean family in terms of what order you are born, in terms of your siblings, that colors, you know, your upbringing, the expectations that are put upon you, the way you're treated. Um, So yeah, my dad's the first son of my grandfather and um, he's a Libra. (laughs) I just figured this out. It's so crazy. I've been into astrology. I never applied that to my own parents until the last five years, which is bonkers. Um, He's an intellectual. He loves science. He loves physics. He loved his engineering degree. He loves airplanes. Um, Yeah, my dad's a very kind of cut and dry person. So in being my father's daughter, it's taken a lifetime. (laughs) more than a few decades in figuring out how to talk to him. Now, what I can share about myself is that I feel like I came out of the womb and I was just immediately a daddy's girl. Now, it's weird to call it that because when I reflect on our relationship, the amount of the amount of if we like did a data analysis on how much time we have spent together and out of that much time, how much we fought That's, like, the vast majority. I'd probably be, like, a B-plus, A-minus student. Um, It's gotten better over the years, but, you know, it was—we mostly fought. We mostly disagreed with each other. I mostly rebelled against him, everything he said and did and thought. I would be there to point out how it was wrong (laughs) and um, biased or prejudiced or misguided or ignorant or just plain stupid. Like, that was me. And so it's weird to call myself a daddy's girl because— I was so I've always been really combative with my dad. But the reality is I've cared about my dad in this very specific and special way that when, you know, now that I'm an adult and I see how my friends and their fathers are and how I see daughters and um like little girls and my friends who are men and watching men become fathers and have daughters, there is a very special bond that daughters can have with their fathers in terms of kind of being an emotional guardian and that's how I felt with my father. Um he was always a really severe, kind of intense guy. But I remember my earliest memories of being around my dad was this feeling of protectiveness and feeling like I just needed to make sure he was okay. I needed to, you know, watch out for him. I I detected early on that smoking is bad. I didn't like the smell. So since I was really, really young, I worried about my dad and his health. I wanted him to quit smoking. I wanted, you know, I just you know, children are smart people, you know, they don't need to have the reading capability to read the surgeon's warning to know that smoking is bad. I just instinctually knew those are not good. And I don't think my dad should do that. And then once somebody told me, you know, Minji smoking is bad. Like, I was like, my father can't do that then. And I read Beverly Cleary's uh, Ramona series. And there's a book where Ramona, she like rips up her father's cigarettes and, and flushes it down the toilet. So yeah, I took the creative liberties inspired by Beverly Cleary to do the same to my father. (laughs) And I ripped up his cigarettes, I flushed them down the toilet, I got in trouble. But yeah, that was the kind of little girl that I was. And so it's just really funny because um, my dad definitely did dote on me when I compare how he has been with my brothers. I have two brothers, an older brother and a younger brother. Um, I'm much closer in age to my older brother than younger, so I always had a direct comparison of how my brother was treated, the things that my brother liked and what he did, and me as a girl, what I liked, what I did, and how I was treated. And I could say pretty early on I detected a difference. He was really hard on my brother. Um, He had a lot. But then my brother was also, like, a much more rambunctious, outgoing, adventurous child than I was. Kind of a troublemaker. I'm just saying, opa, I love you, but let's be real. Um, I was always scared of everything, so I just didn't get in as much trouble as he did. But yeah, my dad was just really tough. And so that's just how I've known my dad. Um, and maybe it's like, overkill to say that. But I feel like instinctually, I not only was protective of my father, I instinctually knew that there was like, something wrong, but something hurting. I mean, don't get that protectiveness out of There's like, it's different when you're like a guard dog and your just instinct is to guard and protect. Like, that's one thing. But I feel like I always just needed to make my dad feel better. You know? I don't know if anybody else out there feels me, but that's how I felt. That's how I've continued to feel my entire life. And that's hard because, you know, they're much harder things, but it's hard because it's someone who's so influential on you. It's someone that by societal design and by your own instinct as a person it's someone you want to make happy it's somebody that you want to please it's somebody that you want to validate you and to care and to see you and to you know to care and to love right and it's a very two-way street i wanted him to know i love you appa um i'll do whatever i can do to take care of you and and you know, make you proud. But I also like wanted to be loved back. I think any kid is just longing for their parent to embrace them, share them with kisses, tell them that they're great, that they believe in them, that they're proud of them. And um, I would say the first five years of my life, my dad was like a doting father, very affectionate, Um, I grew into a tomboy after five, and there's just, I don't know where my sass kicked in, but at some point, things definitely did change. Of course, puberty changes everything. Um, I was a boy-crazy girl, like, right out the womb, probably. I liked guys as soon as three or four years old, and in that way, I feel really bad for my dad, because I have friends who they, haven't liked, they didn't start liking guys till maybe like middle school. I'm like, wow, your parents got like 13 years of you having no boy drama. That's amazing. Mine, even though I didn't share this with my parents, I was living in boy drama <laughs> since preschool. So it's just, it's very laughable. And in that way, I'm like, oh, my poor father. Because he was raised in like post-war Korea. And, you know, he was only, he only dated and loved one woman, which is my mother, he didn't get any guidance. No one sat him down and had a heart to heart with him about the birds and the bees or his feelings or his changing body or his masculinity. No one gave him any of that. You know, he's just kind of like thrown in the damn river. Like, not even just a river, it's like a rapids. It's dropped in the rapids, and he's they're like, go, swim, figure it out. By the way, here's some boulders. Um, but it's also kind of reflected because he was like that maybe things were rockier. I don't know. But in any case, he inherited, not inherited, he birthed, he helped, my mother birthed. But he helped create two, um, two, I don't know how to describe my brother and me. We're special. <laughs> we're not more special than anyone else. But we're definitely just not your run-of-the-mill Hey, I'm just going to read a book and enjoy my life. Like, no, I need to climb this. This is my brother. I need to climb this and take this apart. And I need to build this and then break it. And then I need to build a volcano out of manure. as fertilizer. And like, for me, it's like, everything hurts me. I'm so sensitive. I have to cry about everything that scares me, makes me mad, makes me too happy. I don't know. I was just like crying all the time. I have a lot of attitude, very opinionated you know, like, I have friends that exist that they've just been really docile since birth. I'm like, holy shit, the miracle, magical unicorn you must be to your parents, because I certainly wasn't that. Um, I never made it particularly easy for them. Like, comprehensively, in certain ways, I was, you know, a prototypical golden child, but it was all a lie check out my uh, past episodes if you want to know the skinny but in any case yeah my dad and I um I really do feel like I the apple does not not feel I know that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree and I inherited a lot of my dad's characteristics in terms of being um very analytical like we both churn over things we we take everything and kind of dig eight million layers deeper which can be really great and insightful and all these things, but it can also be really, really paralyzing and annoying and unnecessary and just creating more drama where there doesn't need to be. Um, We both have, like, some perfectionist tendencies, but then we're also both very fearful of, like, the unknown. So a lot of these things I've learned, again, over my lifetime, and he's just, like, my frenemy, my arch-nemesis, but yet I feel like I'm the child that— emotionally connects with him the best. I don't know. Um it's not a comparison game with my brothers. Like we've all had to rally to be there for our family, to be there for different people in our family at different times when we needed, and we've been through so much drama together, but it's helped identify like what our strengths are. And I think my strength has always been kind of being that emotional that emotional therapist person. And just instinctually, I always felt like my dad and I—I I got my dad a little bit better. Um, maybe also gave him the benefit of the doubt more. Um, because I just didn't look—I'm not a man. I'm not a guy, so I don't hold him to the same standards as I would myself because I'm not a guy. I have more compassion sometimes, I think, for my father than, um, than other people can. Just like I see through the bullshit, you know? I see through— his guardedness. I see through what he's trying to hide by how he's hiding it. Um, his repetition, what he fights about. And then also, maybe, I honestly credit, I was like, this is why I'm an actor. <laughs> I've been studying the human psyche and the human condition for my entire life. And I've had like the best specimen ever to examine because him and my mom have been, they've been a hoot. So, All that's to give context to who I've been and who my father is and, um, you know, understanding more of my family history, learning from my grandmother within less than 10 years. It's probably been about five, six years that I found out that my grandmother escaped North Korea uh, in a quite traumatic way. She almost died. Her siblings almost died. She is the oldest of six. So I just feel like it's interesting because my grandma's the oldest, my dad is the oldest, my older brother's the oldest of the oldest, and I'm the oldest girl. Um, There's a lot to kind of learn and process that nobody else has, if that makes sense. I think that's just what happens when you are the oldest in your family. You're the guinea pig, and um, you're going to have to learn things and process things without certain other people potentially being your guide, right? I'm very grateful that I had my older brother. Um, But my older brother had to figure a lot of things out about my parents that I'll never have to deal with. My dad had to figure a lot of things out that his younger siblings never had to deal with. And he took the brunt of a lot of hardship, you know, growing up with, you know, my family and my grandparents being the way that it was in post-war Korea, having them having fled or my grandmother having fled from North Korea to the South and reuniting with her parents who she had lost, um, being matched with my grandfather. And there's just so much for me to process because it's understanding a person through a specific lens your entire life and then learning facts and context that either negate what you assumed or completely validating it. Like you're like, oh my God, I didn't even know, but that makes so much sense. I was totally right. Like, I knew my father had experienced some major trauma. I just didn't know to what extent or how how that had played out. But I was like, there's a point after my college years where I was just like, you know, you don't know fully what other families are experiencing. That's why we love TV and movies and whatnot, um, because they give us some insight into what's normal and what other people are experiencing around you. I knew my father had a lot of anger Um that was easy to see but once I started really identifying why and it was funny once I started becoming an adult and going through my own bizarre you know my own drama and trauma um, the stories that started coming out much later obviously when I was a bit older really started to connect a lot of dots and just kind of understanding what different experiences can do to a person based on their unique layers that make them up the fact that my dad is Korean male first born born in the 50s in Korea right after the war to parents who were put together by a matchmaker Um, My grandfather with this specific kind of temperament. My grandma with this specific kind of temperament. Um, My grandmother divorced my grandfather when my dad was fairly young. And I, to this day, haven't personally heard of any other Korean grandparents that divorced. Um, I'm sure there were, but it was extremely, extremely rare. So I can only imagine what my dad would experience at the age of six to lose his mother to be to stay with his father, his two younger siblings, and to have his mother leave when literally nobody in his community and surroundings, no one around him ever had a divorced parent, you know, um, what kind of conversations that would create between his parents and him, how that was explained, probably not explained to him, possibly manipulated or leveraged to him. Um, I've just heard and learned a lot of different stories And it's taken me a lot through my own pain and through my ability to have compassion and empathy to eventually, over time, truly learn how to forgive my dad for being who he is. And I think those are the beginnings of how I learned how to talk to him because like I said, a vast majority of our relationship was fighting. Um, it's not that my father lacks intelligence. I knew from a very young age that my dad's a really smart guy. Uh, he knew English really well. And I know that my a lot of my friends who are children of immigrant parents, a lot of the immigrant parents struggled a lot more with English than my father did. Um, he came to America around 23, at 23 years old, with very, very little English under his belt. But he learned it quickly and really well. Like his vocabulary and his grammar is pretty phenomenal for somebody who learned a second language so late in life. And I've been very privileged because of that. I didn't understand what an advantage I had having a father who could, you know, speak freely with me, even if it was fighting, um, to speak his mind to me, to be very clear about his opinions and to understand me And this is the funny thing that I also took for granted was the fact that I mouthed off to him so much and that I sassed him a lot and I disagreed with him. There are other situations. I'm not saying it's right. I think it's terribly wrong. But there's a lot of other situations where my ass could have just gotten beat and I wouldn't be able to say any words edgewise, you know? So not that it's like I'm profoundly grateful, but to a degree, I'm grateful that for the guy that my dad is and has been, the fact that he let his daughter mouth off to him... It's kind of kind of crazy when I look back um, because if he was as severe—I mean, that's a spectrum, right? But if he was as severe as I had envisioned him or had built him in my head to be, I think he could have been a lot worse because I have a mouth on me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's just different, and it's really taken a lot for me to— start looking at him as a person rather than my dad. And that's such a cliche thing that a lot of people say. Um, It's usually somewhat when people get into adulthood, when you can differentiate the relationship that you have with this individual who who you've projected certain expectations of your own, because they play the role of parent. And that is all that they are to you. They're not a person with dreams and beliefs and desires and regrets and failures and triumphs. They're just your parent. They're your guardian. They're the piggy bank. They are the driver. They're the person who helps you get things that you want. And when you are living in that paradigm for so long, yeah, it's really freaking hard to see them as like, dude, my parent is actually like a really cool cat. (laughs) Like, My dad's really witty. He's funny. He's such a sarcastic face like I love him and a lot of that just kind of fell by the wayside for a lot of my adolescence and young adulthood and it makes sense I'm not it's taking responsibility but kind of sucks where I realize like man I missed out on a lot of times I could have been getting along with my dad but then I try not to get too caught up in that because I'm like well my dad was really hard on me so there wasn't a lot of room to be like buddy buddy all the time in any case it all makes sense but empathy and forgiveness is still something, honestly, at this point, I think I'm pretty okay with, but I talk a lot about this with friends when we get into deep discussions about our parents, when we when we kind of dive deeper. A lot of my friends are parents now, um, and every day, more and more of them are becoming parents. It really is that kind of the early 30s time where it's happening, and it's just so daunting to me to watch my friends who I've seen you know, with their heads in toilets or crying over um, a breakup that with some person that they ultimately didn't really care that much about. All these, you know, silly things like watching them be ridiculous and be a student and all of us figuring stuff out. And now they're like creating other human beings and bringing them into the world. All of these things, have been really eye-opening for me. They've definitely colored my understanding of myself and what it requires of a person to be a parent, you know, like to be responsible for someone else's life. And my first version of that has been my little brother who's 10 years younger than me and the level of protectiveness that i feel about him his life his decisions his friends his surroundings you know what he does how he feels that's only a fraction of i'm sure what my parents have gone through for sure what i will go through if and when i become a parent and honestly being a leader in collaboration you know every step of the way I've been playing different leadership roles, but that level of like being responsible for someone, the outcome for other people, that really does teach you a lot about, it's not all about you, you are responsible, you're beholden to these people, you're the leader of this group, you're the president of that club, you are the, the you know, director of this organization, even if it's one event, you know, you're the lead on this, and you're like, oh shit, everything is in my hands, oh my god, you know, imagine that being a life, Imagine that being multiple lives. Like, I am really just trying to grapple with the fact that I need to sustain myself, which I've been pretty good at, but then now that I'm in a different chapter, I'm, like, freaking the fuck out over maybe a hundred times worse. And I cannot, for the life of me, in this moment, imagine being responsible for another life. This is why I don't have a dog, y'all. Like, I can't handle the responsibility. It is too much, okay? I had my last episode with my boyfriend, Kenji. That has been its own, like, I am responsible for someone else's feelings. What the fuck? Like, I'm trying to deal with my own. Sorry, Kenji. he's like, he, He doesn't curse, and I curse a lot, but, you know, like it's a lot my father grew up without a lot of direct like show of love he grew up without a without a ton of affection he grew up with a lot of barriers his own obstacles that he had to overcome and then like now it's so much easier for me obviously to To take all of that in, to realize that he was this young guy in his early 20s, which to me, I'm like, you were a child having children. I'm sorry, you guys. You may have graduated college, but I think you're children. I was a child. I look at photos doing my friend's bachelorette party this weekend. I did a little bit of a walk down memory lane, and a lot of those photos, I was like, holy shit, I was so dumb. I did not know what I was doing. I thought I did, and you know what? That's like the beauty of youth, but like, wow, the The gravity of the decisions I made when I had zero understanding of what life really was in a lot of ways, it's kind of baffling. But more power to you. That's part of becoming a grown-up. Just do it. But you know what I mean? Like, my dad was in his early 20s. He grew up in a certain way, and I just need to start to understand that. And one of the fights that we had three years ago, it was right before my 30th birthday. That's actually the last time I remember us having a huge blow up fight. Um, Three years, bless. Um, I knocked on wood because please let that be the case. He, he like ripped me a new one. And it was it was a very good and profound experience in this way. And I'll tell you why i basically got in a fight with my dad we disagreed again like we just have really polar opposite views on what we think is right or wrong in any given conflict um my dad was really upset with something someone in our family had decided to do and i was very staunchly against his upsetness i thought he had he was ridiculous and idiotic to disagree like To rain down on this family member and say, you were wrong for X, Y, Z reasons. You didn't think of da-da-da-da. I was like, fine. That's your opinion. It's a wrong opinion. And this is why. And I proceeded to, like, lay it on him. And I had driven up from L.A. to, like, help my dad out for about a week um, in the midst of this, like, tough family moment. My grandfather had just passed away. And... We had made it three days very civilly and very cordially and everybody treated us like we're, we're like dry brush about to light on fire with the wrong glint of the sun. Like that's how my family treats my dad and me when we're alone together. And rightfully so because three days into it, we, we just blew up and I had just years of resentment and years of exhaustion of his in my eyes, of his pettiness, of his stubbornness about the the severity. It wasn't even like his opinion. It's the intensity to which he believed he was right and everyone else was just fucking stupid. I couldn't handle that level of, no, it was just not right with me. And I had been going through the ringer, like trying to, do my own thing and dropped everything to be there for my family and I was just not having any of it so we fought and then I think probably within 48 hours you know we always try to kind of bounce back from these fights quicker and I do my best to kind of just apologize and and acknowledge what I did wrong not necessarily over apologizing but setting an example like leading by example kind of parenting my parent and that's something that does happen over time I apologize to him we were out getting lunch I believe we were eating pho and when we were eating you know I did I have a tendency I did have a tendency to kind of coddle my dad and I try to just make him feel better about himself and he he has had a hard time kind of being the bad guy he's always played bad cop in my family and I realized how sucky that must be you know, he's like, I'm going to do the dirty work. Fine. If someone's got to say it, if someone's got to be the disciplinarian. I'll do it because y'all aren't going to grow up right unless somebody puts their foot down. And my mom always was like the affectionate, nurturing one, even though my mom could be a total hard ass, too. Um, but my dad always assumed that role and it fit him and he, he was fine with it. But I think over time it could definitely take a toll in terms of like watching his children always protect inside with mom versus dad to talk to him in a certain tone and to be defensive to him and never accepting anything that he said. I think it's definitely taken a toll over the years and that really hurt my heart to realize. Um but when we talked, I was kind of taking that assuming that role again of being the peacemaker and being like, you know, appa, I appreciate you. And like, we appreciate you so much. We're very thankful like speaking on behalf of my brothers just you've done a lot to sacrifice and to come to America and to be here with us and to drop everything and and create a better life for us. And he just looked at me and he was like, you're so full of shit. I might have said this on a different podcast, but I'll repeat it because this conversation changed my life. He looked at me and scoffed at me and was like, you're so full of shit. And I was like, what? I was... Blown away that he did not immediately receive my sincere and earnest compliment with open arms and then hug me and pat my head gently and be like, Oh, yes, dear daughter, thank you. Thank you for appreciating me. No, there was none of that. It was, You're so full of shit. That was the answer I got, guys. This is my dad. So then I was like, Why am I full of shit? Please enlighten me. And he just like, laid it all out. And he said, I was not thinking of you when I came to America. When I came to America, I was sacrificing nothing because there was nothing for me in Korea. I went to where there was a better life. So don't make it sound like I sacrificed all this stuff for you. I went where I was supposed to go. And I was like, well, shit. Okay. Yeah. I respect that and I relate that. Relate to that. And I was like, wow. So I just got schooled in that sentence and then the next he's just like, I was a young man. I was in my 20s. I had ambitions. I had a life that I wanted to ha- lead and things I wanted to do. And it was really in that conversation that I think I genuinely really for the first time looked at my father as like just a man. And that altered a lot of my ability to empathize with him, sympathize, to have compassion for him. Because really feeling that changed. Because I can have sympathy for so many other people. Why is it that like with my dad, because you have layers and years and years of personal pain and torture and trauma. That's why you know, it's hard. It's hard to untangle those feelings from within your body and your soul when someone has frustrated you that much or made you cry or when you've yearned and just like wanted them to approve of you and they've given you, they've rained down all their thoughts and feelings on you and given you everything except validation or like, hey, I'm proud of you. Hey, I believe in you. None of that stuff had existed up until that point, really. You know, there are definitely moments where my dad has been tender and sweet and loving, but it's like his version. You know what I mean? It's not like he's Danny Tanner. He's like, well, Minji, again, stroking my long black hair, you're, you're just my beautiful daughter and I just love you so much and I just want you to be happy. No, my my dad's main thing that he said to me is like, just because you're happy doesn't mean I'm happy. He's been saying that to me since I was like eight and that's the mentality growth, just because my I'm happy doesn't mean my dad's happy. So when I care so much about making my parents happy, I better damn sure make that, like, I better make sure that what I do makes them happy. It can't just be about me. Like, that was embedded in my cerebellum or my brainstem or wherever, you know, like my left frontal lobe or wherever it was. It was put there and, like, <laughs> packaged and tightened and, like, just branded right in there to remember just because I'm happy doesn't mean my dad's happy so like all of that all of that exists and then some that's just like tip of the iceberg y'all I I mean I know there's a lot of people out there who have your own layered complicated relationship with your parent or your parental figure you know that person that you've looked up to and you admire and you love and you respect and then you kind of hate and you're like the fuck is wrong with you why can't you just like be there for me. Can't you just like let your guard down for a second? Can't you just like not be such a stubborn shit for a second? Like why can't you just love me the way that I need to be loved? Learn my love language. I've been killing myself for you and you don't even get it. You don't appreciate it. Why? Right? Um, I felt a lot of those things with my dad. But that moment was a breakthrough to see my dad as a person. And that sounds so simple, but it's very, very hard when you've been looking at a person One type of way your whole life, and that's a challenge that I really put out in the universe for anybody. You know, not just fathers, but fathers. I mean, there's just it's such a loaded name, and it's such a loaded role. Um, We liken a lot of our deities, like you know, the the figures in in religion and in faith. We there's a lot of like father figures. I mean, I would like for there to be more mother figures too. Because I believe both have such, you know, strong and weighted importance in our lives. But for me, I grew up Baptist Christian. I don't necessarily call myself such now. But I grew up with a very much like Father, the Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, right? And just like the weight of that, it just builds expectations. It builds so many things. So it's not easy to just disregard it. Um. And again, that depends on who you are. But for me, it was really freaking hard. And so understanding that really changed the way I could approach my father, the way that I could kind of compartmentalize him and look at him more objectively. And prior to that incident, actually, um, you know, for me, moving out was a big deal in terms of changing that was the beginning of changing my relationship with my dad because as soon as I moved out right after college I came back from college and I lived with my family for about seven months or less and I was gone like I could not do it Um, you know it's like the out of sight out of mind yeah your parents don't want you there It's you being there and then being able to monitor everything that you do and see when you wake up and go to sleep and when you eat and when you don't and how hygienic you are. And, uh, you know, if your shirt's wrinkled or whatever, It just you just need to figure that out on your own. Like, I'm very American in that way. There's a lot of friends that can like live with your parents until you're married or whatnot or even after that. Like, hell no, I can't do it. I'm an independent woman. I don't need you breathing down my neck and asking me where I am when I'm out. To dinner with my friend at eight o'clock at night. Um, But moving out and being really independent did change my relationship with my father. And it allowed us to not have all of the stressors of being around each other weigh on us. And it made him miss me. It made me miss him. My parents in general, I appreciated them because we weren't in each other's face being annoying to one another all the time. Um, And it helped him build pride in, like, being proud of me because I was a self-sufficient young woman, um, and that helped me feel good in my skin, and it made me learn what it was to, like, have to earn a dollar and pay my own freaking bills, and those that's, like, the beginning steps of starting to really relate more to your parents and to understand the turmoil that they're going through and the priorities that they're juggling with, the things that they have to put on the back burner in order to feed these hungry mouths. You know, that they created. And, you know, that really altered a lot for me. Um, It made us fight less. It didn't make the fights go away again because that continued on for like another eight years. But that definitely changed. And then somewhere in my later 20s, um, I just started agreeing with my dad. So, another challenge for you guys if you're struggling to figure out how to talk to your mother or father, whoever it is that's so problematic in your life, like if you have a tendency to always fight with them and always, have a rebuttal for everything that they say try saying yes like once because that's all it took for me (laughs) my dad loves to throw shade and give give people shit like that's his way of loving people a lot that's the way that he messes with people it's his way of being affectionate um again he didn't grow up in like a house full of cuddles and bubbles he grew up with a really tough dad and you know, without a mom, you know, he had a stepmom who had children of her own, and like he didn't, he didn't grow up with the same cuddly, full house kind of stuff. So he grew up with a more sarcastic, jokey manner. And but that is also tied with his parenting style. So in my eyes, he was always criticizing me, and he wasn't joking a lot of the time, especially when I was younger. He was just criticizing me, telling me. Um, you know, things about all my habits, about my eating habits, my brushing my teeth, flossing, cleaning. Um, what else? My attire. That was like a big deal. Um, he'd always lecture me. There's something he could lecture me about. Um, but he'd always lecture me on dressing more like an adult and less like a college student. Especially because I look young naturally. And I'm a working woman now, at XYZ. And there's one day, I think it was maybe when I was like 27 or 28. He's like, Binja you need to stop wearing skinny jeans. You just need to, you need to look like an adult. Like, da, da, da it was like the 20th time he said this to me. And instead of, it's not even like I want to, it just became like the default response of like, these are in style, you don't know anything, I can wear what I want, But you know, like, and now that I hear it, it sounds so immature. Like, this sounds like such a childish version of me. But at some point, I like, I just like, I didn't have the energy. So I was like, okay yeah, yeah, you're totally right. I should, I should go, I should go shopping, go get some more like slacks and yeah, yeah, I should do that. Thanks. <laughs> and then my dad was just like, uh, uh, sh- yeah, <laughs> a yes can go a long way. Everyone just agree. Stop disagreeing. Um, I disarmed him with a agreement and that was like an epiphany for me. It's like, oh my gosh, it was that easy. It was that easy to make my dad get off my back. I just had to agree with him. Oh my Lord! And like, you know, the heavens parted and angels were singing and I had to do like a joyful dance and it was great. So, you know, there's just so many different ways that you can disarm people. For me, my dad has always been like my number one nemesis. And... um It takes a lot. So I feel like I've gone down multiple lanes with you guys, but this reflection is a self reflection on my relationship with my father about the ways that I've changed my mannerisms, my understanding of him, especially. You know, I think that whole, like, oh, just say yes to him thing did happen before the fight when I was 30 and I really started seeing him as a man. Everything's a progression. You know, nothing happens overnight when someone's that close to you and and like, you know, they have that look or that, that twitch in their eye or that one word or their tone of voice that just knows how to trigger the shit out of you. And it's like, you went from having the best day of your entire life, you won the Nobel Prize, you got $5 million in venture capital backing, and then like one look and one word from your father and it's just like, phew, all of it vanishes it all goes to it all goes to hell because he didn't give you (laughs) he didn't nod in approval you know i know what that's like but in light of that it goes it's it's still valuable to step back and see like how things progress and all the ways that we grow as people and how the roles reverse and how understanding myself better as a person and accepting responsibility for my life has helped me Has helped me address my father better. To me, it was like, I viewed it like I was bending to his will, which I did not like. I did not like the fact that he was being a dick and therefore I had to just like be subservient and listen to whatever he said. I've grown up very much in that society and that's something that really triggers me and just doesn't sit well with me because I want to I want to work with you. I want to work with everybody. I want to be in harmony with people, but I don't want to do it at my own, the expense of my own dignity. You know what I mean? I don't want to do it because you're forcing me to do it. I want to do it because I care about you and I want to contribute to the building of this relationship. And I think that's what it was. And it took me a long, long time to identify over many years and many fights and a lot of crying and a lot of heartache and pain. Um, I, I needed to kind of, approach it on my own terms, if you will. And so all these different little mini epiphanies that were happening in my life outside of my relationship with my father ultimately came back to my relationship with my father and with my mother and with my brothers, with everybody. You know, it's a trickle effect. But to me, because I am who I am, I believe that whoever's nearest and dearest to you, and a lot of times that can be our family, it it it's very... It's kind of a safe assumption to say that those are very important relationships to heal first and foremost. You know what I mean? Like, I can't imagine not being right with myself and not being right with the people that I supposedly, you know, love the most and that I care about the most, the people that could destroy me the most and the people that could bring me the most joy. I mean, those are two sides of the same damn coin. They can piss me off and make me more miserable than anybody else. And they can also make me in like, just a slight reaction, make me overflowingly, like just bawling tears of gratitude. (laughs) Like, thank you. It means so much to me. You know, like they have that impact. So it matters that those relationships be functioning, that those relationships be healthy. Because I don't want to be carrying around resentment and trauma and all this stuff that's unresolved, that's just sitting there and festering and just building up over time. Honestly, I believe this is why people get sick and, like, get cancer and get, you know, just terrible things. Their body is responding to these stressors within us that are triggered emotionally that just stay in there. You know, it's toxic. So I'm so grateful that hopefully the worst is over. It still gets touch and go with my dad, but I think both of us have grown so much that we we don't need to go to the highs of the highs or the lows of the lows. We want peace and we want harmony. And my father's changed so much, you guys. And if anybody, maybe even young or old, whoever you are, you know, people, you can you can approach life like people never change. In a lot of ways, they never do. In a lot of ways, I like that. Um, but they also transform, too. People change every freaking day. If you told me that I could sit with my dad and that he could not only accept that I'm working in entertainment or, you know, tolerating that I want to be an actor and a writer and a director, not only is he just dealing with it, but he's rooting for me now, checking in on me, seeing how I'm doing, and that I appreciate it, that I love it, that I laugh when he's like, how's the comedy writing going? Like, that's incredible. I would have laughed in your face, and I've been like, you're out of your damn mind. That's not going to happen. My father is more stubborn than, than Ron Swanson himself. Like, it's just not happening, okay? Let it go. People change. And I think love is really transformative. I think forgiveness is transformative. I think growth and maturity are transformative. And sometimes it's, not sometimes, a lot of times it's painstaking and tedious and draining and exhausting. And sometimes you need to step away for a while, whether that's a day or a week or a few months or a year. I don't know. But I also think that it's worth coming back to um, and doing your best to like, Continue to work on it. And it's not to guarantee that you'll ever get the outcome or the transformation or, you know, suddenly the butterfly emerges from the chrysalis. There's no guarantee that any, that every relationship can be, re, be repaired or, um, you know, become this kind of like fairy tale version of what you had always wanted. I think acceptance has a lot to do with it. And maybe that's what it was that helped me. It was just kind of honestly giving up. At times, and just be like, "I don't, I'm just not even gonna try. I'm like, not gonna push for this anymore." But there's a difference between like, stop trying and stop caring. I never stop caring. I just stop trying. And it changes when you don't have expectations, but not having expectations is not the same as expecting the worst. I've argued this with several friends of mine. They're like, I'm just being a realist. I was like, no, you're being a pessimist. You're being a cynic. That is different than being like a realist or just like it is what it is. You're making it worse than what it is. You don't have to be an over-optimist and make it like put rose-colored glasses on everything and make everything better than what you think it is or ought to be. But don't make it worse than what it is. And I think that's what really happened with my dad is that I really started to see him for who he was, good, bad, and otherwise, to see where I resemble him in a lot of my learned behavior, my inherited traits, um, and just to learn how to love it all. That's hard. But I'm very grateful. And, you know, it's going to continue to change. I Who knows where it's going to go from here. And there's still a lot of growth to do. I'm still working on my dad becoming more vulnerable and in the process of that, realizing how invulnerable I am, also shout out to my patreon patron and subscriber, Long Vo, who sent me this really fantastic YouTube TED Talk um, by Brené Brown on "Invulnerability." And that will be its own podcast episode, but it definitely first thing I thought about was my relationship with my father, and also recognizing in myself like my own fear of fear of like, the bad happening and also the good. kind of go hand in hand. So in any case, I hope that this longer than expected reflection of Father's Day helped somebody out there. Um, It's a tough time right now. I think there's a lot of sensitivity around parents and family, especially because of what's going on in this current day. I don't know when you're listening to this episode, but this is going up in June of 2018. And there's some horrific bullshit happening on our borders with immigrants and like with children being ripped apart from their families and I'm not a parent myself but there are many people that I love and there's many people that love me and my parents would as tough as my dad has been on me as miserable as he has made my life in a lot of ways I've never doubted for a second that he loved me um and that's I'm very very lucky for that and to know that we're damaging those things and that their children being traumatized it's creating a lot there there will be a consequence to this you know this is not just like a deterrent for people to get scared to not illegally immigrate into the united states this is creating a lot more a lot more hurt than the dumbasses in office will recognize like it is frightening so I'm saying this to keep it real. And the only antidote to this is love. That sounds really cliche. I don't care because it's what I believe is true. Love is not just feelings and it's not just an idea. It's action. It's showing up for people. It is persevering through some really dark times together. It's going out of your comfort zone. It's Sacrifice, it's courage, and that takes form in a lot of different ways. So, that's what I mean when I say love is the antidote. I need to figure out what I can do, my tiny part. You know, everyone's figuring out what to do with their tiny part. And even if it's not becoming political about these things, but simply being kind to one another and forgiving one another, especially again to the people closest to you, you have like even as like grave and ominous as I'm making it sound like there will be consequences to these children being ripped apart from their families. There's so much that can happen with one repaired relationship with one. I'm sorry, or or one, I forgive you. And that doesn't even have to be out loud. You know, you can just do that for yourself. You can write that down. You can write it in a letter that never gets sent. But there's something about that process that is very, very liberating. And it's a process. It's not going to be like, oh, one thing happens and then everything falls into place and everything's good after that. Obviously, we're not, we're not delusional. You know, we live in the real world. But if we're trying to live in a place where we can have hope and have some joy and enjoy one another's presence and, you know, the beauty different people can bring into our lives... It's going to require something of me. It's going to require something of you. So just going to let you chew on that because I love all you guys. I am so grateful for this podcast that anybody listens to this. Um, And I thank you so much for everyone who's like sent in an email or texted me or left a review. Just um, yeah, this is phenomenal that this space can exist. I'm joining like little podcast movements and Facebook groups and whatnot. I'm trying to learn how to definitely get better at this how to listen to other people's stuff and how to be more creative in what I share and how I share it so I'm really excited for this journey and I really appreciate you tuning in and I hope that you all had an amazing father's day uh with your father figure and if you're our father bless your heart you have a tough job and we have so much love for you everybody um love to all the dads out there and if you enjoyed this episode and if you feel like there's someone else that could really benefit from hearing it, I hope that you'll consider sharing it with a friend um, and share your thoughts with me. If you'd like, you can email me at firstofallpod at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at firstofallpod or directly to my personal account on, at Minjeezy. And please, you know, if you did like this and you like the other episodes, please leave a five-star review and subscribe and Ah, uh, I just love it. It's so fun. It's such a small thing, and I feel so funny asking for it. But I'm asking. Also, your girl is a freelancing artist. Okay, I want to make more podcasts, and I want to be able to live. This is part of my living. Please become a patron at Patreon.com/slash First of All Podcast. Um, every contribution is so appreciated, and I make sure that it goes right back into making this show better. Um, and I just have so much love and gratitude for my Patreon patrons. We're gonna have another Google Hangout soon. There's certain perks that Patreon patrons get, including like a video hangout and direct discussion on like how to build this channel. So it's really fun. Um, the people I've met on Patreon have been phenomenal. So thank you all. And I also would like to say, a um, big shout out to Potluck Podcast Collective, which is a collective of Asian American storytellers and podcasters. I love you guys, y'all are the bomb. Keep doing your thing. Um, you can find me on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio Public, Spotify, and everywhere you find podcasts. Thank you to Marvin UMI my producer and audio engineer. Thank you to Aquafina providing me her new—not even though this is old song, Yellow Ranger for the intro and outro i'm gonna be switching it up because she just came out with a new album called infino we trust i've heard about half of it i love it it's fire um she's also killed it in notions eight she was the best part of that whole movie in my opinion and she's gonna kill it in crazy rich asians alongside some other friends who are in that film just shout out to that and if anyone's listening around the world find it somewhere to watch it online and I hope you guys have a great week, that you take care of yourselves, be good to one another, I'll talk to you soon. Bye!